Hey everybody, this is Josh McKinney, and I just want to welcome you to episode 141 of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. I had a super long intro in the last episode, and so I guess the last main episode, and so I think I'm going to go short intro on this one, uh, mainly because I don't really have a ton to tell you guys. I kind of tell you guys everything that there is to tell you in this episode. The announcements are kind of mixed in. Um... I think that means that I'm well rested. Uh, I got I got a little time off for Fourth of July and just got to chill out. And you know, it's just so weird weird thing about the uh, um, how I think about like the randomness on the podcast is uh, the the episodes they're they're kind of the content is a straight line, right? And usually I have some notes and I just kind of follow that straight line. But when I'm rested, I start to get really confident. Every time I start to find a thought, I'm willing to take a big loop and then come back to that same point in the straight line. Um, the risky thing is when that loop starts to get really, really, really big and I start talking about old lady cron yachts or something like that, um, which to, to finish this loop off, uh, on July 4th, I always go to my uncle's cabin on the Merrimack River, and he is the one that had the has the came up with the term "old lady cronyots." And I told him, you know, after two and a half years of having the podcast, how old lady cronyots is starting to become a famous character on one of the biggest jujitsu podcasts that there is, and he thought that was the funniest thing ever we were crying talking about old lady cronyots and uh the time i talked about gretchen from accounting getting a face tattoo and um old lady cronyots and and gretchen from accounting fighting each other uh but for those of you who have no idea if this is your first episode of the ice jiu-jitsu show you have no idea what we're talking about don't worry most likely you won't know what we're talking about the whole time um, but it will make you better at jujitsu because you'll understand little bits. And then as you keep listening, you will start to understand everything that we're talking about. That is generally how language works. And actually, at the end of this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about John Danaher's language and how uh, kind of how important it is and I think why he uses it and why we don't have to use the same language. But understanding our language is important. Um, let's go ahead and turn it over to Josh to remind you of something really important. And then we'll turn it over to Josh to Josh again, and he will get started on the episode. Here it is. Before we get into the episode, hey guys, Josh here, just in case you didn't recognize my voice. But anyway, before we get into the episode, if you guys have not done it yet, give me a five-star review on whatever platform you are listening to this show on. If you're watching on YouTube, give me whatever you're supposed to give me, a like, a comment, to subscribe, uh, whatever you're supposed to do on YouTube. But uh, regardless, give me some type of feedback letting me know how much you guys are enjoying the show and how much you are getting out of this free content. Uh, I cannot keep producing free content unless I'm getting five-star reviews because that is what is boosting my brand and helping me reach other people just like you and help them suck just a little bit less at jujitsu. So I won't ramble on. Give me that five-star review whenever you get a chance. Whenever you're free, I get it. You're busy. You're listening to the podcast in traffic right now. It would be impossible for you to pull out your phone and then press two buttons and take five seconds and give me a five-star review. But that's all I have for you guys. Let's go ahead and jump right in to the episode. 
I had two years to get from white to black belt. How would I do it? Let's say uh, it's not me. Uh, obviously, if I have two years, but I know all this stuff that's on my board that I'm going to talk about, uh, then I would already be a black belt, right? So let's say that I had a student that came in and let's say that the restriction of two years is the only restriction and we have to get him to be ready to compete a black belt in two years. Do I think it's possible? I don't know. Uh, obviously it would take somebody who is just physically superior. It would take the perfect training method. It would take so much determination. Uh, but I don't know. I think it is possible. I definitely think it's possible to get someone from brand new at jujitsu to being able to do really well with good black belts, decent black belts, um, on the mats. I think that that is a very possible thing to do. And so let's talk about it. Let's look at how we would go about this, uh, in these fun parameters and, uh, and, and if it would be possible at all. Uh, so what are you going to teach this guy, right? What techniques are you going to show him? Uh, to be totally honest, I, would with this restriction show very, 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 very few techniques. I would teach him how to learn on his own where he could, or she could pick up their own techniques. And we'll get to that in a second, but this is how I would do it. Um, look, I know that we talk about the technique versus the concept a lot, which one's more important, which one's better. Um, and we, on the show, we talk about things that aren't those things. We talk about skills. We talk about strategies. We talk about physical attributes. Uh, and we just, uh, we look at every part of jujitsu because it's not just a matter of who knows the most techniques or even who knows the most concepts. Uh, there is so much going on in a jujitsu match. And so, or, or a round of jujitsu, so in my opinion, it has been proven time and time again, that by teaching techniques, it is not possible to get somebody to black belt in two years, uh, or that level in two years, obviously because of time restrictions, you're really not going to get anybody to black belt in two years and, and follow a, like IBJJF's, uh, recommended times and, th and things like that. Right. Uh, that's not going to happen. Most likely. But you could get somebody that good. You could get somebody beating black belts of his or her size, weight, and age in two years, in my opinion. And the only way to be able to do that would be to give them what I would call a deep understanding of jujitsu, or at least a deep understanding of what is important in jujitsu. And that is what concepts really are in jujitsu. They are just these things. Thoughts, these ways that really high level black belts think about positions and think about moves. And not only does it help that high level black belt, not only does it help him say, oh, wow, uh, if I just think about being in the armpit, um, my arm bars are so much easier to control and therefore they're much easier to finish because I'm not worried about the, the pressure of the arm ball. All I'm worried about doing is holding on to the arm, holding on to the shoulder joint by staying inside the armpit. So they can't pull their elbow to their rib cage. Right. But how that thought feels when I'm in a round, I don't think through it that way. It goes like this armpit. What can I put there? 
armpit, my ankle's there. He's not freeing his armpit now. Now I need to control the top of his shoulder and I have it. Now let's just finish the arm bar. Crank whichever way there is, right? I don't think about, uh, oh, he's posting his hands. I know a technique from this situation. I just see the open space. You get used to seeing that open space. Your body reacts to just jumping on it. Uh, so when we are looking at trying to get that good that quickly, I don't think technique only is going to be the way to go. I wouldn't even start with technique. Uh, on your first night of jujitsu, there is no way I would teach you a technique. On your first probably six weeks, I probably wouldn't really teach you many. I would teach you some positions, but I wouldn't teach you a technique, meaning, uh, okay, this is this is a, a guard break. Um, we're going to look at this guard break into a knee cut, right? And a lot of people would would teach that first, or we're going to look at the closed guard arm bar. And that's going to be your first introduction into jujitsu. Uh, for me, I would rather, I would rather get you playing games really quickly, get you involved into small parts of jujitsu really quickly. And, um, as a coach, I think it's my job to break these games down and make them really easy to consume, really easy to understand. And then when we do that, when we have really easy games to play, then you're able to just play these like, um, uh, these little attribute battles or not even attribute battles, skill battles in jujitsu where you go, okay, I know nothing else about jujitsu, but from guard retention, Josh has taught me um, a lot of defense and frames. And I know which way my hips need to be, which way my chest needs to be. I know where I need to be pushing on where I need to be framing. Uh, and I know what I should be preventing, right? That is all you have to learn to start learning guard retention on your own is where to post and why to post, right? Why to create distance. Once you know that stuff, then it's just a matter of you getting enough reps of it. Uh, and if you have a good training partner, if you know designated winner, which if you guys don't know, you need to absolutely check out the designated winner, how to master your flow episode. Um, that is probably the most important episode from here on out because, uh, man, I've just been consumed with designated winner and how well you can put certain skills into it. So let's look at um, what I would actually have you focus on for the first three months of training. Uh, I actually broke these down a little more uh, week by week, how I would do it, um, kind of creating a bit of a schedule. But remember, the whole thing in the beginning was uh, that the only parameter is two years. Um, so uh, obviously, we start this guy off, we get him on steroids. It's jujitsu, right? Uh, no, I'm just joking. Um, but first thing that we would do if that was the only parameter is we would look at the whole picture, the simple things that we can fix, the little holes of, okay, your diet isn't conducive to being able to train twice a day. And obviously, we're not going to be training live twice a day, but you are going to be training twice a day. You're going to be on the mat for at least two hours pretty much every single day. Maybe we'll do an off day. We'll kind of see how you are physically and see what you can handle. And so as we start to do this, we're going to start with some ideas on uh, defense in frames. And then we would add some um, like close guard, some control to that. Um, so maybe teach you how to grip bite, but we would really look at the idea off of your back, unless you're um, somebody who's at ultra heavyweight or something like that, where most of your jujitsu is going to be on top forever. We would start with 
um, the probably the most important skill and one of the hardest skills for most people to develop, and that is the skill of guard retention. And so we would start there because if you have good guard retention, you are going to naturally going to be, it's going to be way easier for you to escape side control. Uh, you're going to hit a lot more submissions from your guard because you have confidence in your guard. If I can escape side control easily, well, I can throw up triangles. If I miss the triangle, well, I'll just escape side control and then do it again, right? Or rest in close guard or whatever, right? Someone with really good guard retention gets to dictate so much jujitsu. And guard retention isn't that complex. It really is a matter of making sure that you are on your side when they're passing around your legs or that your feet are on the hips or the shoulders, right? Um, a lot of times we'll use other controls. We'll use De La Hiba hooks with a nut oh, our free foot on the hip or the shoulders. Um, but it's just this idea of where to frame. The goal is I don't want him to be square to me. I don't want this person to um, be facing me. And I especially don't want this person to be square to me while I am not square to him. Um, you know, we think about open guard or seated guard, even uh, when I'm facing you and you're facing me, we're kind of even, but if you take a step to the right and I am not facing you, but you were facing me and you're standing, it's not even you're winning. Right. So I start to teach that. Right. I, I explained it to you guys over a podcast in two minutes there. And hopefully you guys kind of got an idea of what we're talking about. Um, but it's a really simple way to start to look at guard retention. And we're only framing on the big joints, the hips and the shoulders. And we're learning to kind of crawl back to guard. You can learn guard retention in a week if you just play it as a game. Right. And a lot of people can't think that far in advance in their jujitsu. And this is uh, kind of what we're going to exploit. This is kind of my reasoning for why people don't get their black belt in two years. I know two years is an extreme stretch, um, but let's say realistically in five years, right? Why is that still so uncommon? I really think it's because uh, just in the day-to-day -day mentality of jujitsu, it's very hard to even think six months in advance and to say, hey, it's not just about me being uh, winning tonight. Uh, of course, I want to win. You know, I want to be good at winning in jujitsu. That's what we're practicing on do. We're practicing doing. We're trying to practice winning a lot. Um, but I want to be smart enough that I can work something now that I'm going to lose in now. But six months from now, it is going to make me a better grappler. And if you had someone who is a really good coach just really on you, uh, you would probably be able to think in those terms a lot better. Uh, this is this is just my these are my theories to why uh, Danaher's guys get so good. We're going to talk about uh, Danaher in his language and stuff at the very end of this episode. This episode is very ranty, going to be very ranty, but uh, I really think there's good stuff in it. I think there's should be a lot to unpack. Um, but I just have some thoughts on uh, on John Danaher, who I've never met before, uh, only ever watched. Uh, uh, watched on video and my coach got to do a lot of training with him. Uh, so I'm no expert at all. Uh, but I just have uh, some, some thoughts uh, that I think would be helpful for a lot of people and how he looks at jujitsu in my opinion and, um, and why he looks at jujitsu that way, but we'll get that. We'll save that to the very end of the episode. Um, but we'll get back to the first three months. Like I said, all I would have you focused on is defense and frames and uh, in closed and open guard, understanding like, hey, you can rest from closed guard, you can break the posture from closed guard, um, but we really wouldn't start to look at the idea of control uh, until 
actually a little bit after this. Um, but the first three months would be defense frames. You would learn how to play in quotes, some guards, of course, being on the mats, you're going to pick up some submissions. You're going to pick up some things by just rolling with people and asking questions. And I think some of this is going to have to be organic. I don't think that it, I, I, let me say this. I don't think that it would be possible to get a black belt in two years without being in a very good room. Uh, I think that just one coach, I don't think, I don't know if any one coach is good enough uh, to do that. You know, you look at the, the room that some of these guys that came up really quickly under John Danaher, they came up in an amazing room. I'm sure now, like with just one or two other really good grapplers, uh, John can still get people to that level. Uh, but just, I think initially, I really do think you're going to need a really good room. You're going to, you're going to need guys that are going to help you that aren't your coach, right? Because learning on your own was, remember, what we kind of said was the primary goal of all of this. If you were going to get your black belt in two years, if you want to get your black belt two years from now and you're a purple belt, learning on your own is without a doubt the most important thing you could do. Right here would be a really good time for a plug for uh, the three lenses free ebook because it teaches you how to learn on your own. Um, or I could even do that, the how to learn jujitsu instructional, which isn't free, uh, which is also really cool between me and my dad. I don't know. I might do either one. I might actually wait a little bit. Uh, we'll see how I feel when I'm editing this podcast. Hey guys, Josh McKinney here, just interrupting really quick to tell you guys about something really exciting that we have going on at simplifyingjujitsu.com. And it is my free ebook, The Three Lenses. So there are three ways that you can look at jujitsu to progress at jujitsu, uh, to get better. You can look as an athlete, a scientist, or an artist. What The Three Lenses book does is it shows you how each of the three learn. And you're able to steal ideas that you like from an artist, even though you were a scientist, or steal a routine that you like as an artist that you steal from the athletes. Uh, you're able to combine and make your own jujitsu, make your own jujitsu training what you want it to be to accomplish any goal that you want to accomplish. There's also a lot of definition in this uh, ebook, a lot of words that you're going to be able to use on the mats or hear on the mats and actually understand uh, because we give you that simple definition at the end of the book uh, where we just look at all the types of training, uh, all the different thoughts, all the different pitfalls that you might fall in as a jiu-jitsu athlete or a jiu-jitsu practitioner or a jiu-jitsu artist, whatever you want to call yourself. Um, but again, this is only at simplifyingjujitsu.com and it is absolutely free. So be sure to check out the three lenses. Let's get back to the episode. Uh, so now we're done with defense and frames, our first three months. Now let's look at attacking. I want to add one attack for you, uh, something that could be hit from a lot of different places. So like rear naked choke, I'm not going to add for you yet. Um, that's not going to be your primary focus. It's just going to be too hard for you, most likely, um, to really connect the back to what we've worked already. Uh, it, it's going to be something like arm bars, um, and it would be uh, like the the conceptual. Let's use arm bars. Let's say it was arm bar, um, but uh, it could be triangles, kimuras. We've talked about the importance of using the kimura because it's just 
uh, it's in so many different positions, right? Uh, but however we learned it, it would be a little bit more conceptual. And the reason would be because I would want you being able to pull off the arm bar from mount, side control, um, or your back. You know, or even be able to hit it from bottom side control, have some really tricky places to hit the arm bars. When you're on the back, you can hit the arm bar, right? There are so many places you can learn uh, to hit the arm bar, right? You don't have to, obviously we do risk our position, but um, it's a little safer than falling back for a leg lock or something like that positionally. So I would have you spend six weeks on that and we would end goal method that. Um, if you guys don't know what the end goal method is, I think it's like episode one and episode 98 are both on the end goal method. It's titled the simplest way to progress at jujitsu. And so uh, we would spend six weeks and uh, um, hopefully you'd be hitting a lot of these. Maybe I would even give you a number goal to hit. Uh, obviously, this would depend on the student. This is a very general idea. And the next thing we would start to focus on would be um, control and beating frames. So we talked about, um, and this, this could also be, we could also call it inside control. Um, we would focus on inside control. And so how this would look is probably would start from the guard and we would start talking about, uh, just kind of the, the idea of distance management, the idea of getting close to a person, um, and how you can control them and really start to focus on the concept of control. If you guys want to know more about the concept of control, I'm giving you so many other things you can listen to and watch on this episode, but, uh, Chris Paynes has some really good stuff on his YouTube channel. His more famous video, how to defend everything is also on the concept of control, uh, from a defensive standpoint. I'm kind of, I think we would kind of marry the, def the defense and the offense at this point, because we started with a lot of defense. So we would have talked about what you're trying to defend already. Um, now we're starting to add control from an offensive perspective, where you should control this person, what your goals are to get to. Uh, and we would look at uh, just teaching you what the big fights in jujitsu are. Really, most of the time in jujitsu, we are fighting for inside control. Once we have inside control, we usually get the chance to do the next move uh, because I have control. If I have a collar tie on you and your arm is on the outside with a collar tie, who has the control? It's me. You know, you can, I can push and pull you. I can move you side to side. You can maybe move me to one side. You can maybe push me back. Uh, I can lift your elbow and start to get into the, the meat and potatoes of your body, your, you know, hip armpit space, and you're in trouble there, right? It's just because I won the inside fight, not because I'm a better wrestler because I won the inside fight. It's not my shot. It's the inside fight, right? Uh, I was talking to one of my this man, so many rants in this episode. I was talking to one of my black belts, uh, Eric Hebner, who is going to be on the podcast soon. I swear. I swear I'm trying to get these new mics. It's just so hard to decide how I want the podcast to sound for the next. I probably have 30 interviews um, that people have not only said they'd be willing to do, but like seemed excited about doing, and I'm excited about doing. And so um, at some point soon, it is just going to turn into like a lot of interviews. I haven't decided if I could do anything, I would release an interview, a solo episode and a suck less Saturday every single week. Uh, but that's a lot of commitment. But if I could do anything, that's what I would do. Anyway, Eric and I were talking. 
And we were talking on um, conceptualizing wrestling. And he said, well, the first thing that people just don't realize is really important is hand fighting is in fighting for inside control. He goes, uh, you know, people just, they don't see hand fighting. And, um, it was really cool because I was, it started to help me as a, uh, as a grappler. It started to help me as a wrestler. Honestly, uh, there certain things with hand fighting. I started to see and go, is it really that simple? Was I really just not circling my hand to the inside? That's why I was losing in this position all the time. And I started to become a better wrestler. And then one time, <clears throat> and I've told this on the podcast, but I uh, had Eric teach for like three minutes one time to show how how great our mats are at the gym. I was going to say, hey, um, I just wanted to, I want you guys to use the black belts around, to use the purple belts, use the brown belts. Um, I said, watch this. I'm not going to give Eric any time to, to prepare anything. I go, Eric, stand up. Uh, I go, teach us something conceptually about, uh, about stand-up and or about wrestling. And, and Eric goes, and this, keep in mind, this is six weeks after he just taught me that inside grip fighting was all that mattered. And it totally changed jujitsu for me. And he said, grips don't matter. And that was his opening statement. And then he proceeded to blow our minds about distance and how distance is what matters. And when we're fighting for inside control, the whole goal of inside control is to control the distance, right? I win inside control so I can control the distance and get to your hips. And then I'm taking you down or behind your knee. And then I'm taking you down. And just like that, we would start to understand control and keep in mind, this is a lot going on. We're going to spend three months on control and beating frames. Okay. Uh, inside control, getting close to the person, starting to understand distance. And then you will have put in seven and a half months. Cause we're going to do three months of control, beating frames, inside control and distance. And we would just make you play games every day. And you would get to do live rounds. Of course, um, you should be trying to do live rounds because uh, there are going to be positions where you start to go, okay, well, I'm in, I'm in uh, side control or I'm in front headlock. Let's say front headlock. You go, I don't really know this position. We've never learned it, but I know how to control somebody. I know where I need to be controlling um, because we've talked about it from side control and mount in the back. So I'm sure it applies here. I'm just upside down. And you start to learn to apply it. You start to naturally learn jujitsu from other places just because you know the important things that are happening. Okay. So just in this first seven and a half months, most likely you still aren't great at jujitsu. Uh, I would say you're probably a blue belt. And so you would think we would have needed to rush blue belt a little bit, uh, but I don't think so. I think that this right here, that those things, understanding defense frames, control and beating frames, and then having one submission. So you have something that uh, gives you some positive reinforcement, uh, something that you can end around with, of course. Uh, I think that that is the foundation of jujitsu. I think that if, if you wanted to get from purple belt to black belt in two years, that that's what you should focus on seven and a half months. So you should start to try to understand defense and frames, okay? Posting on the shoulders, posting on the hips. Why are you trying to turn the person's chest 
away from you? Why are you trying to create these angles? What can you do with these angles? Start to focus on that and do three months of it. Just go every time somebody goes, hey, where do you want to start? Say disconnected from my back. And at first, don't even worry really about grips. Worry about just keeping them in between your legs, keeping them uh from passing your guard, where you're framing, where you should be framing, what you could be framing with. Okay. Uh, and then always uh, making sure that when they do pass to your side, that you are on your side. Meaning if you pass to my right, okay. So you passed my guard to my right side. I need to be on my right side. All right. Um, like not like kind of off my left shoulder. I need to be on my right side. Okay. Like totally perpendicular to the ground that is going to be where I can start framing again and then pedaling my legs back into the guard. If you understand that, you start to do designated winner for the next three months. That's a ton of time on this. And you can even add certain guards that you like to it. You, you can experiment with other stuff, but the main goal should be understanding frames. Then add an attack for six weeks, most likely from your guard since you've been doing a lot of stuff from your guard. Um, but then start to look at controlling and beating frames after those six weeks of the attack. Okay. Remember the attack needs to be used in other places. Triangles are good, but triangles can be tough to get good at hitting from everywhere. Uh, but I like armbar. I like Kimura. Those are, those are going to be your main ones. You could do even a, uh, like a shoulder lock, um, like a, like an arm wrench shoulder lock. A lot of those things kind of have the same ideas to them. The Americana, a lot of those things are interchangeable. You can kind of do a few of them, but I like the more focus on one and understanding what is happening, what is actually going on in that position. So then you would have your, um, you'd be four and a half months in. And then from here, you would go with controlling and beating frames, understanding how to kind of win the inside fight and pass the guard that way. And then from this position, I would start to focus. This is how you would round out your jujitsu. You're at seven and a half months. And really all we've covered in depth is guard and the fights of guard. I would start to really, really, really focus for the next three and a half months. And this would put us at 10 and a half months on the positional ladder of jujitsu. And uh, we'll, we can explain why this is important really quick. So on the positional ladder, how the positional ladder looks is pretty simple. Uh, it starts in probably standing. Um, then it goes and standing is neutral. And then it can go either way, right? It could go to me on my back in guard. Okay. Or it can go me climbing up the ladder would be me on top in guard. Okay. The reason that we just think about it top and bottom is just much simpler to understand um, when it talks about climbing the positional ladder. It is a lot easier to get to side control top from top passing the guard than off my back, right? If I'm flat on my back. It's very hard to get to side control top. Um, that's what how we understand the ladder <clears throat> as of right now. So um, the ladder goes like this. It starts with standing, then you on your back with me on top. Now, I can pass the side control. Okay. That's going to be mostly how we pass uh, is we get around the guard. It's the simplest way to do it. Right. And now from side control, that's the next ring on the ladder rung. Wait, what, what do you call that? Little grip on the ladder step on the ladder. Let's call it a step. Uh, so then the next step after side control is mount the next step. I mean, you could add me on belly because um, there is like, 
you do have to bring your leg over the person's body to get them out. And keep in mind, you can add so many little steps on um, the positional ladder and everybody's positional ladder should probably look a little bit different. Um, but this is how mine goes is side control to knee on belly and then knee on belly to mount mount here. I like to add a little more addition to mount. I like to add a, a kind of deep control of mount, uh, meaning like an underhook and good control on the hips. And then from here, as the person starts to, I could either finish from here. This is where, this is really where I start thinking about finishing anymore uh, from side control. A lot of times guys escape when you try to finish. I and mean, you obviously they're super good side control finishers. Um, this is something you could focus more on, uh, but it just feels a little more dominant. And I just see some of the best guys now move to mount. And I really think it's just because they're following the positional ladder. It just makes more sense. You want to add more control and not relinquish any control, uh, especially when you have gravity on your side. And then from mount, I'm either submitting or I am looking for the last part of the positional ladder, the back. Okay. So with the back, I need to make sure I add understanding of trapping the arms and, and finishing the rear naked choke because it's very easy. You could easily understand all these other concepts and ideas and never be able to finish the rear naked choke. It's almost its own thing because um, it's a very specific position, right? You are not facing me at all. And I am facing your back. Uh, it's there's, it's so powerful. There aren't a lot of different things. Unless we have a Gion, there aren't a lot of different things we can do, um, but it's incredibly powerful. And I think that if we're learning the positional ladder, finishing with a rear naked choke, or it could be a bow and arrow choke, there's nothing wrong with using the gi, uh, but finishing some type of very powerful choke, is, that's going to be very important. That is going to be so helpful for you. Um, and yeah, that the reason we're looking at positional ladder here is now you're going to have to start to tighten up your understanding of side control, mount, and the back, and understand how those positions connect. Because those positions, of course, we should learn them as three separate things. It's the easiest way to learn them. But those positions have a lot of the same things happening. Why people and why, I mean, for me, for years, never understood to keep the underhook from mount. The underhook from side control keeps the guy from spinning. Spinning is how he gets out of mount most likely. Why would I let go of that once I get to mount? It's still, still just as effective. But nobody thought of that, right? It's because we missed that those positions connect so much. And then we got to see Gordon start to do it to guys. And we got to start seeing and realizing again, um, at least in America, I really, when I'm talking about the general idea of jujitsu, I really only see it from the American perspective. Um, but it seemed like people had forgotten the importance. They were so focused on finishing the collar choke. They had forgotten the importance of the underhook from mount. And if you don't underhook from mount, start doing it. It's crazy. Like literally the same way you hug from side control, start doing it from out um, and then do it while you stick your ankles underneath their butt cheeks. So they can't turn their hips either. It is the most suffocating thing. Get double under hooks from there. It's horrific. Um, that's why I like that is my little, um, step in between the back and mount, uh, is because the more control that I can get, the more pressure I can give you. And the more you can give me a really slow, weak turn where I can just easily take your back. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm looking at. But now from this position or now from this point at 
So three months, three months, they were at 10 and a half months. I think you know jujitsu. Hey guys, Josh here. Just want to interrupt really quick and tell you about something really exciting we have going on at simplifyingjujitsu.com. So we just, and when I say we, I mean my father, Black Belt, Steve McKinney, and myself just released our first ever instructional together. It is called How to Learn Jiu-Jitsu. For those of you who don't know, there was a a pretty big piece of our training where it was just my dad and I. Uh, We were kind of learning Jiu-Jitsu on our own. First, we had to learn how to learn Jiu-Jitsu on our own. And that is what this instructional is about. All the different training methods that we've learned, all the ideas, all the conversations, the way we learn to talk to each other, progress at jujitsu there is uh three plus hours of bonus content on this already really cool aesthetically pleasing instructional uh and this bonus content is match breakdowns it's longer rounds between my dad and i it's us uh, me teaching my dad designated winner for the first time totally uncut uh just us conversating and and doing designated winner as he's trying to uh, master a position from the guard and so there is so much free content on how to learn jujitsu. This is only available at simplifyingjujitsu.com. The link is going to be in the description. Uh, be sure to check out and get your copy of How to Learn Jujitsu, only available at simplifyingjujitsu.com. Let's get back to the episode. I think that's all that there is. I know that that sounds crazy because there is so much more. There's so much more, um, and we're going to get to that. We still have almost 14 months left, chill. But when it comes to understanding of jujitsu, I really think that there's not much more to understand. There's not much more happening than those things, than us trying to control each other trying to inside fight. Okay. Um, but we talk about other things on the show, right? We talk about, uh, pacing attribute, strategy, skill development, things like that. Well, that's what we're going to spend the next 14 and a half months, 13 and a half months on. We are going to start to look at you as an individual. And this is what you would have to do for yourself for the purple belt listening, saying, well, I'm trying to get to black belt in the next two years. What do I need? This is what I think. I think you would need 10 months of really understanding all that's going on in jujitsu. A year would be a great rounded way to do it. It would give you more time, but I think 10, 10 and a half months is doable. And we're trying to save as much time as we can to stuff this into two years. So now let's look at pacing attributes, skill development. Of course, you would be listening to the ISECA jujitsu show because this is the I suck at jujitsu show model on how you would get good, um, really good in two years. So let's look at pacing. So we've talked about blitzing and preventing before two of the most popular episodes. Um, t- the two, I think that right now, those are the two most popular solo episodes that I've ever done. Um, I know blitzing is one of them, uh, but it's, it's hard to keep track. You guys just listen to random crap a lot because I'm always suggesting you to different parts of the podcast, um, but blitzing 
really cool episode on pacing and just understanding how to wear somebody out in a jujitsu match, right? Or, or a round of jujitsu and not wear yourself out instead. And so um, I would have you focusing on pacing for a, a period of time. This, this would have to be, uh, this would have to be uh, to the individual because keep in mind, um, these are kind of going to all be skills. These are all going to be skills to have the, the skill of being able to pace out a match. Um, sometimes we call it paint the whole picture, right? Uh, that is a skill. And you may actually develop it in those first 10 and a half months of a lot of live training, during a lot of live training. Um, I didn't say this, but we are going to be using positional sparring, designated winner, things like that, to um, do all those things in the first 10 and a half months. Um, so our like all of our attacks that we're learning, all of the defense and frames that we're learning, we're using designated winner positional sparring. Uh, depending on the person, we might be using repetitive drilling, uh, but I don't know yet on that. Give me like six months and then I'll know for sure. Um, so we're starting to understand pacing, but maybe you already have a good understanding of pacing. So we wouldn't focus on that as much. We would start to focus more on maybe some um, specific skills, like the skill of footwork. And we would focus on footwork for like two or three months. And it would not just be from uh, it wouldn't just be from top. It would be from bottom. It'd be where am I placing my feet from bottom? Uh, where am I placing my feet from top? When is it smart to start standing up? Uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but you can, you know, if you watch your Hoffa Mendez's, a lot of times it's not a bad idea. Once you pass somebody's guard and you start gaining a lot of control and really flattening them out from side control, it's not always a terrible idea to start to get better at standing up from there. I know that sounds weird, but if you watch Hoffa, when I say standing up, he keeps weight on the person, but he starts to get on his feet. Um, he's hunched over. He's laying on the person still or on the person still, but he starts to walk his feet almost like he's standing up in that crouch position that the AOJ guys just love to play. Uh, and then he's able to jump from side to side and it's very effortless for him because he's on his feet. It's not hard to take steps while we're on our feet, right? Uh, one of the big things with footwork would be that it would be learning to um, learning to step side to side. At this point, we'd probably with footwork start to look at um, some leg lock defense and some leg lock attacks because so much of leg locks, uh, so much of the defensive leg locks comes from my free leg, um, not the leg being attacked. I think John Danaher might say like, maybe he says 80 or 90% of it uh, comes from your free leg. And so when you um, when you start to get good at using your feet for, for defending leg locks, it's a good time to start getting better at using your feet for um, problem solving other things, controlling somebody from the back a little better, controlling somebody from mount a little better, um, using your footwork to pass the guard a little easier uh, and a little smoother. And so uh, from footwork, I think now we would start to look at other grips. We'd talk about like, or not other grips, other skills to develop. Talk about the skill of uh, floating grips um, where I can turn a wrist grip into a sleeve grip, into a cross sleeve grip, into an armpit grip, into whatever I need it to be, but do it in a smooth way that doesn't burn out my hands and um, doesn't get my fingers ripped off when um, people are ripping geese out of my hands. Uh, but 
um, that is a, a simple skill to develop, right? We can look at whatever you're kind of struggling with for these next 14 months, because now we have an understanding, um, or you have an understanding at this point, you would be able to say, well, when I lose, it's probably because I didn't frame enough. It's probably because I didn't control enough when I had my chance. That's why I missed my guard pass and I wasn't able to control. But at this point, we would start to really introduce strategy. That would kind of be the last bit uh, for you because if we're being honest, now you're at like 18 months on the mat. There is no way that somebody 18 months on the mat is going to be good enough to beat somebody who has 10 years on the mat, right? Well, I mean, it could happen. If you really do understand, if you've really been putting in a lot of time during those two years, it's actually a lot more common um, than you would think. I've seen, it's not uncommon to, to see good competitive blue belts who understand strategy go into a gym and beat a black belt of the same size and weight. That is not uncommon. And a lot of times it's because people say, oh, it's because he's a spaz or he's this or he's that. Uh, you know, I understand not wanting to, to in quote, spaz in jiu-jitsu uh, and for our English friends. That is not an offensive word in America. I'm sorry if you think that I was, I was being offensive. Uh, it, it just means somebody who tries to bridge and roll out of a lot of things and almost hurts you um, in American jiu-jitsu at least. So when you have that though, when, when people say like, oh, well, this blue belt just, he just went harder. Well, going harder is a strategy. It's part of jujitsu. It's like, well, if I go a lot harder and I get to pass your guard and then now I get to rest because you don't have good enough side control escape. Um, well, that makes a lot of sense to do. It was a really good idea to do that. Now it's different if I'm kneeing you in the head when I'm trying to pass you into side control. Um, you know, if I'm uh, falling on your joints and hurting you or something like that, that's different. But just going hard is not something that I think we should complain about. Uh, if you don't like that, just don't roll with those people. Uh, but it is proof that you can have a lot less knowledge, but understand strategy. And then from this point, we would focus on strategy. We would focus on, um, you know, if, if we were trying to compete, like actually going to competition, which I hope that is not the parameter of this made up uh, two month or two year to black belt thing um, that I made up. But uh, so, yeah, it's not the parameter of it. But if it was, I think it would be a much harder thing if they had to compete at black belt. But at this point, I would start getting them around more black belts. I would start having them fight black belts. Uh, a lot. And then every time they would lose, because they would lose at 18 months, uh, maybe pose some problems if this person is, is very physically gifted. But then we can start saying, okay, you're probably not going to beat this black belt in these positions, but right here, you're really good. So next time you roll with them, I want you to keep him right there um, for the whole round. And maybe we keep doing that. And then eventually, you start feeling comfortable enough to start even attacking from that position. Um, you just kind of have exposed a bit of a hole and say, well, I'm just going to keep using this until there's nothing to use. And then we would do that with other black belts and we'd do that as much as we can. And then at the end of two years, we would see it if the eye just show worked. Um, but it would mainly be focused at the, you know, the last bit, the last, um, Man, the biggest part of it 
would be focused on on understanding strategy and developing specific skills. Uh, and I think that that is where jujitsu is going to go. I think that that the techniques on the wall, I think they're on their way out. Not tomorrow, um, but in 10 years, maybe. Uh, I really do see jujitsu just being trained a little bit differently um, because it's starting to be. Certain schools are starting to train differently and it's obviously working. And so that is where I wanted to kind of bring up John Danaher. Uh, I think that he is probably one of the best English speaking jujitsu coaches right now, or the best English speaking jujitsu coach right now. And so uh, I just had like a few thoughts, some things maybe we could all learn from him, but then all understand too. Um, and, and I think we can kind of bring this back to the importance of concept. Uh, so a, a big thing about John Danaher is his instructionals. His instructionals like eight or nine hours long a lot of times, and they will be so in-depth about specific things, specific things that we would go, man, is, is that really that important? He's mentioned it 15 times, though. He spent 45 minutes on that. And then we start to go, well, it's obviously pretty important. And um, John also has a specific language that he uses. The more you listen to John, the more you start to understand what he means in that with that language. So we agree on that. A lot of people love that. Um, a, a lot of people don't. A lot of people just don't. Uh, they have trouble following that much jujitsu. But the people that don't, they do get better watching him. The people that like him, they definitely get better watching him. Very seldom do I, I have people that uh, get a bunch of John Danaher instructionals and actually watch them and not get better. I don't think I've ever had that. But here's the thing. Not everyone is going to learn jujitsu that way. Simply attention span wise, some people could, you know, we could force ourselves to learn jujitsu that way. But honestly, I don't know what a fulcrum is or a lever or pommeling or whatever they're saying, right? That is Danaher's specific language. And yes, it could be the language that is, is common in jujitsu one day. Um, but today is not that day. Uh, we have to understand that all he is doing when he's saying these things is he is explaining jujitsu how he sees jujitsu as one of the best black belts in the world. He's not just one of the best black belt instructors. People may not realize this. Was, was Danaher actually good at jujitsu? Uh, yes, he was incredibly good. There are a ton of stories about how great of a grappler he was. Um, but I will tell you that my coach, who is a very, very good black belt, who I have rolled with. So if you trust that I am a good black belt. Um, trust that my coach is a very good black belt. This is time he was a brown belt. He won pans at brown belt this same year. So he is a very good, accomplished jujitsu brown belt at this time. And he uh, he got to train with Danaher when he was on the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, and he said that Danaher would easily kill everybody on the show, including Kyle. He said he would submit you multiple times in a round, every round, starting from like 
almost bottom side control because he couldn't play much guard because his hips were starting to get so bad. And he's obviously an incredibly good black belt, but he's also uh, like a philosophy major. He's also a genius, right? So he is great at black belt and a genius. He is marrying those two things when he is explaining jujitsu in that way. He sees the world as fulcrums and levers. That is not just how he sees jujitsu. I'm just guessing. This is my assumption, like I said. But usually people, I've been around people who learn in the same way. If, we, if we're talking about the Three Lenses ebook, uh, he would most likely be a scientific learner. Obviously, people that are going to be more scientific learners and love detail, they're going to love watching John Danaher. He has the best detail out there. Now, does that mean it is the best way to train? Uh, you guys know my opinion is that there is no best way to train. You have to focus on the individual and you have to learn how you learn. But let's talk the language. Um, that's kind of really why I wanted to, to bring it up is uh, a lot of times it's almost this way of trying to separate ourselves from the swine that we train with that can't use uh, scientific terms because they are uneducated, uh, like the host of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. But just understanding that it is not the words that he uses, it is the reason that he uses specific words. Let's say that, um, you know, what he is calling, you know, what he's calling, um, okay, perfect example, what I uh, call distance management, he might call chest over chest or what I call chest over chest, he might call distance management. Those are the same idea. There's just different ways of verbalizing it to explain one of these things to you. It would probably take. 30 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half, right? But once I've explained it to you, if it has a buzzword that is easy to remember that we all know because we use a common language, guess what's going to happen? Every time I say chest over chest, you are going to get one and a half hours of knowledge, boom, just like that in one sentence, in one word, I guess a few words, uh, but uh that's why John uses a specific language, right? Keep in mind, this guy is a genius. Most likely, most of the things that he does that we think of as super weird have some purpose. Uh, watch him on The Ultimate Fighter. He put a, uh, he put a, or his idea, I don't know if he was the one who actually do it, did it. Um, it was uh, when GSP and Koscheck's team were competing and they were about to pick teams and they knew who Koscheck wanted um, because it was one of Koscheck's guys. It was somebody that trained at Koscheck's gym. So what they did was they had a sheet of names that they chose to pick, but it was a fake sheet. Um, and John Danaher said, let's put his favorite guy as our number one pick. So then he knows, oh, if I want to get my favorite guy, if I want to get the guy that trains at my gym, I have to spin my first round pick, even though he's not the best guy. And they did it. It worked perfectly. Koscheck wasted the first pick on somebody that they would have given him. Um, they didn't want his guy on their team, but they tricked him. And that was, uh, you know, when you're thinking about John, I have to understand this dude is a genius. 
everything he does has purpose. He doesn't just call things levers because it sounds cool. He does it so we can understand. So now that we understand, like this is just the idea of understanding a concept. Now that we understand the concept of what is happening, we can create our own language at every school. We could say, hey, this is how we see it. And that is, I think, the biggest difference between somebody who's really good and not very good. It's not the amount of technique they know. It is, of course, that is a that's important. But it is the amount that they understand what is happening. And they can see jujitsu through their own eyes and say, maybe I just think of it as a buzzword of like armpit. But when I think of armpit, it helps me get the underhook. When I think of hip, it helps me get the knee cut. When I think these things, I make them simpler for myself. Then I explain them to my students. Guess what? Now they're going to be simpler for my students too. They're going to know what to think about. And if we know what to think about in a round, a lot of times we know what to do in the round. And so um, that's my random little thought on on using John Danaher's language is, um, I really didn't give any opinion on it, I guess. Uh, but it's just, I think this is why he's doing it. Uh, I think this is why he teaches that way. And I think we could all learn a bunch from just secretly watching him and paying attention to the stuff that he does. Um, last little random side note. This was really cool. Uh, so, um, the YouTube channel, Less Impressed, More Involved. I really have been liking that YouTube channel. They do a lot of stuff uh, on on Danaher and Gordon. Um, the guy that runs it seems to be seems to really enjoy those guys. And so, uh, and those are the guys that get clicks too. Um, but uh, I got followed by somebody on Instagram the other day. I clicked his profile, and it was it was the uh, Less Impressed, More in uh, More Involved guy. And so I was really excited about that, um, that uh, an up and coming YouTuber that I liked followed me because of the show. That was a, a really cool, really cool thing. If you guys have not checked out that YouTube channel, oh, there is one. I want to say it's, it's everything he learned from Gordon Ryan's Mount instructional. That's really good. I would really recommend that. There's a few other ones that are really good, but I would just say if you were going to go one to give them a chance, I think I would go with that one. Uh, but yeah, that's how I would get to black belt or white to black belt in two years. Uh, I don't know if that if that's even possible. That's just my my theory right now. I guess we'll know in two years if it's possible. I'll. I'll let you guys know on July 6th, uh, 2024, if it's possible. Uh, but I think that's all I have for you guys today. Uh, let's turn it back over to Josh to close us out. And that is the episode. Thank you guys for listening to this one. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of the I Second Jiu-Jitsu Show. This was a fun one for me to do because it made me have to not be as much the teacher, but kind of have to theorize something to um, kind of push me to say, okay, this is, if if I had to do this, this is how I would try it. Um, and I thought it kind of ties a lot of 
different episode and a lot of different thoughts from the podcast together in a little bit more of a structured way. Hopefully um, there wasn't a ton of structure to be totally honest, but uh, yeah, hopefully it gave you some structure, some idea on how you can apply a lot of the training method and a lot of the, um, but a lot of the theories that we talk about on the podcast and actually start really applying them into your training and not just say, and for a long period of time, right? And not just be like, well, what's Josh talking about now? That's what I'm going to focus on, uh, which isn't a bad way to do things either. I, that's <laughs> whatever I'm talking about is usually what I'm focused on, on the podcast. So that's how it works for me. So maybe it would work for you too. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's all I have for you guys. As I've been saying, don't forget, um, I am going on a seminar tour soon at some point, maybe kind of, um, but I'm going to start to just look at specific cities and stay there for a period of time and try to teach as much jujitsu as I can and train as much jujitsu as I can. Uh, the first one up is going to be Chicago. I'm going to be in Chicago from like the 12th through the 20th, I believe, uh, and of August. And so that is this year, 2022. So you guys should absolutely hit me up for uh, private lessons or uh, especially a seminar or something like that. So I can pay for my Airbnb and I can train a bunch and get really good at jujitsu and then come on the podcast and tell you guys all about it and actually get uh i have like three or four podcasts to do while i'm in chicago too and so that should be really fun also and so uh yeah that's all i have for you guys today i hope this episode was really fun and funny and not too random and uh most importantly i hope this episode helps you guys suck just a little bit less at jujitsu have a great day guys Hey guys, Josh here again. I notice that the podcast is over, but you are still listening. So you might still be in search of some really good free content that the Isaka Jiu Jitsu show provides. So if that is the case, if you guys are looking for uh, some solo episodes where you can learn more about efficiency and effectiveness in Jiu Jitsu, I would highly recommend two episodes. The first is episode 111, and that is on blitzing. It's this idea of pacing that most people even black belts don't think about and then episode 129 is on designated winner it is this new training concept uh that we have been doing at my team we've been talking about a lot on the i suck at jiu-jitsu show i've actually been traveling the country and teaching this training method and so as we continue to grow the show i think that is going to be the episode that i push most people to it's episode 129 designated winner learning to master the flow this is kind of the missing piece between drilling and flowing and positional sparring. Uh, you kind of get to combine all three of those things with designated winner and get the effects of all three of those things with designated winner. Uh, also, if you guys are interested, if you're looking for some uh, more deep dives into specific things in jujitsu, you can always go to simplifyingjujitsu.com where I have all of my instructionals, uh, all of my dad's instructionals, and actually a few from my coach, Kyle Watson, my friend, Nick Sanders, uh, John Prine, really some amazing black belts instructing you at simplifyingjujitsu.com. Also at simplifyingjujitsu.com, I have a free ebook for you guys. It is called The Three Lenses. It is the three lenses that people look through to learn jujitsu. Most of us 
only ever see or learn from one of the lenses. And simply by adding the extra perspective of the other two, you will triple how quickly you get good at jujitsu, especially how well you understand jujitsu. And that is what this free ebook really provides is a very good way for you to understand the language, understand what's happening, understanding why you are getting better, or more importantly, why you're not getting better. And you can use this free ebook and it will help you diagram what you want to uh, getting to the goals you want to get to and so that is all i have for you guys make sure to check out designated winner make sure to check out uh Make sure to check out everything that I have at simplifyingjujutsu.com, whether it is free or it is paid. You can also follow me on Instagram at the Josh McKinney. If you ever have any questions or comments, or you want to send a suggestion for a suck less Saturday episode, you can email me josh at simplifyingjujutsu.com. Uh, I read all those emails. Sometimes they get repetitive. So I combine five or six emails to be a suck less Saturday episode. Uh, but keep those emails coming so I can keep producing great jujitsu content and I can keep hearing from the people who actually enjoy the show and want to keep hearing the jujitsu content that I produce. Have a great day, guys. I hope this last little few minute clip helps you suck just a little bit less at jujitsu. Have a great day.